Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the DOD Inspector General looks to the clouds for solutions. And CISA adds some of the hallmarks of a traditional federal agency. It's Friday, July 8th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. The Office of Management and Budget will develop trust scores for users as part of its Zero Trust implementation. The Chief Information Security Officer of OMB's Management and Operations Division, Dan Chandler, says it'll get the scores from real-time information about the user. Chandler calls the concept in the idea development phase. The Social Security Administration will bring in a chief equity officer as part of its 2022-2023 Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Accessibility Strategic Plan. The strategy includes building a DEIA implementation team, too. SSA says the plan's in support of President Biden's executive order on DEIA. You can read more about these stories and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. The 13th year of Fed Talks launches August 24th. High-level leaders in government, industry, and academia will offer lightning talks, keynotes, and fireside chats. It's happening at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City. You can find a link to learn more and sign up in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Office of Inspector General at the Defense Department has questions about the cloud. Acting Principal Deputy Inspector General Stephen Stebbins tells FedScoop the IG office uses DISA data centers now. Terry Halverson is General Manager for the Federal and Public Sector for IBM. He's former Chief Information Officer at DOD. Terry, welcome. It's great to have you back on the program. This uh, request for information is one thing. The conceptual idea that the IG is walking through to me maybe is the more important thing. They're in data centers now. They want to learn more about the cloud. I hear your voice screaming in my head, hybrid cloud, hybrid cloud, hybrid cloud. Am I hearing you screaming at night the right way, Terry? Welcome, my friend. You are. Thank you for for having me again on the show. Always a pleasure to talk to you. As I said, I I learn every time I I come on, every time I listen to your cast. So you are. You're hearing me screaming hybrid cloud, hybrid cloud, hybrid cloud. Um, I do agree with your I think the IG conceptually asking for some information is good. I, I hope they will take a broad look at that and, and include hybrid cloud. I also hope that as they're getting that information, it's kind of shared with, you know, this is the joint service provider and the DODCIO so that they make a decision that certainly helps the IG with their mission, but this is something that probably needs to go broader than just the IG and and figure out a way to help serve the rest of the Pentagon. That's uh, what uh, Stephen Stebbins tells my colleague, Brandy Vincent. Uh, The OIG doesn't currently have a timetable for next steps. They're in the very beginning of this, and uh, they will share that information with OCIO and uh, what she writes as other key technology players across the department. DISA would be a logical person. But step back a little bit from the IG office. When, if you were to sit down with somebody in your former CIO role and, and they ask you, what should I learn? What questions should I ask? What are the right questions to ask at this point in time, That's, Terry? That's a good question. So, French, I think, first of all, you, 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 need, to, you need to really, and we've talked about this before, understand your data. So, you know, and, and that means understand it from who's using the data, where does the need, data need to get to, um, you know, does it, 
does is there an edge component of your data it may not be here but there may i don't know and that's going to be a different answer than i think you know a, a, just a, a cloud answer um what's the sensitivity of your data and and what's the age of your application uh, you know part of what what i will talk about in hybrid cloud is movement to the cloud is a good thing and i think you, you want to get there but I don't think everything goes to the cloud. And, and, and some of that, you have to look at cost. If I've got older applications that were not designed to run in the cloud, but they're working perfectly today and they're secure and keeping them in a more data center environment keeps them more secure, then leave them there. Um, and pay to move those things that you truly need that distribute, more distributed environment for. I, I think sometimes what I see, and this is not just a government thing, I see this in industry too. I see sometimes we become enamored of a solution, whether it's cloud, data center, edge containers, and, and, and we want to push that beyond where it makes sense to do that. And we don't always look at the economics correctly, the security correctly, and what's going to be your long-term impact. So I would be looking at sensitivity of data, age of the applications, where do I need to use that? Where's my big user database? And then financially, what gives me the best solution in a hybrid environment that meets my requirements for mission? You're, you're a step ahead of me like you always are, Terry. When you said age of applications, first thing I jotted down was capability and connectivity as components of considering the age of the application. And I was thinking, as you said, um, if that application still works fine and it's secure it can stay in the data center that's what i was getting at with those two words so that's and i think that's right i think you know some of the older applications were not designed to run well in a distributed environment but they they still work and you know they they can be uh something that maybe you'll move later but but the other piece i think and you know this with dod and with with the government in general there are so many applications to fix. You prioritize the ones that kind of aren't work or the ones that don't meet your mission requirement, not the ones that are meeting your mission and they're in a location that makes sense. Modernize maybe the location. Uh, you know, you certainly want to modernize data centers. And I, I, I want to be clear here because some people say, well, are you saying now you don't close data centers? I'm not. Close data centers when you don't need them. I'm all for that. And one of the things I think that means if you'll modernize some of your data centers, you can close more of them. And, and, and we should be doing that too and looking at the total environment. I mean, I, I think what we're seeing in industry today is hybrid cloud is becoming kind of the right solution set where you've got a combination of um, you know, fixed location clouds and edge devices. So, and, and I think that makes sense. And an edge device, as we talked before, can be my mobile phone. So that's where I wanted to go next, because one of the questions that you proposed a few moments ago, Terry, that people should ask is where does my data need to go? Not where does it need to live or not just where does it need to live? And right. doesn't every organization have some kind of edge computing component, civilian DOD? I mean, it seems like everybody in a distributed work environment that's going to be something that everybody has to consider. You know, 
I think the answer to that is yes. Um, some people argue with me. So maybe there is some piece out there that's not, doesn't need a distributed environment. But I see that most, you know, 99% of organizations are going to need to have a distributed environment. And, and I think you brought up a good point. It may just be distributed in the fact that we've changed the way the workforce works. And that's not going to, that genie is never going back in the bottle. So um, I think the answer is yes. And, you know, things like mobile devices, they're going to be, they're going to be edge devices. I mean, you and I have talked about this is no longer a phone. You know, that's the least thing I do with this thing today is make phone calls. It's it's mostly doing data movement, looking at applications, exchanging data, going, you know, that's what it does. It's a, it's a, it's a web and data access point. Yeah, and there's more computing power in that thing than there was in a desktop 15 years ago is the mind-blowing thing. All right, you used another term there that it strikes me maybe should become the way that we reference these conversations, Terry, and that's data movement. That's what this is all about at the core. It, 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 it's coming to my realization. How we move it, and what we do with it when we move it, and how we keep it secure throughout the process of moving it. That's really the base of what this is all about, isn't it? It is, because data now is, I mean, it was interesting. I was just on a, prior to this, I was on a conversation about data maneuverability in defense, where, you know, the, the, the belief now is if I can have the right data maneuverability in the right data fabric that's in a hybrid environment with the right set of analytical tools, I now have decision superiority. Well, that applies to business too. I mean, businesses want decision superiority too. They want to make that, how do I make that first move? And, and all of that requires that I move the data or at least move parts of the data. And the other thing that can help you if you've got the right environment the ingress and egress costs in a typical cloud are what drives some of your highest costs. If I can set it up where I don't have to move all of the data, I only have to move pieces of it, the analytic result, well, that started to really save money. And I've gotten the decision to the decision maker much faster. And, and these are all things you have to think about. Terry Halverson, always a great conversation. I learn stuff too every time. I appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you. Have a great uh, weekend. You can read more about the DOD IG cloud move in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, coming on Monday's show, the security future at Citizenship and Immigration Services. Shane Barney, the Chief Information Security Officer at CIS, is on Monday's show. That episode debuts Monday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency is adding some of the hallmarks of a traditional government agency. It's getting its own procurement authority and people to execute it. Chris Kemsky is CEO at Kemsky Strategic Solutions. He's former acting undersecretary for management at the Department of Homeland Security. Chris, it's great to see you again. What's the significance in your view? You posted information about this on LinkedIn. Why do you think this is such a big deal that CISA will now have its own procurement authority? Welcome. 
Well, thank you, Francis. Uh, it, it's a big step for them because it's a part of a maturation for the agency. I think that there's been so much attention around CIS in the last couple of years. Uh, people sometimes forget that it's only been four years in existence as an agency. And so when you look at the fundamentals of what makes success for you know major programs, acquisitions like CDM uh, or Einstein, which are these large scale cyber programs across the federal civilian enterprise that are run by CISA, uh, you see that they've got to have the procurement capabilities in-house to do that over time. Uh, they've been relying on headquarters to date, uh, but this is really a, a major step forward for the organization. What can't headquarters do or do as well that an internal um, organization in CISO will be able to do or do better? I think it really just strengthens their acquisition uh, process overall, because when you're generating the capabilities and requirements uh, up front for these programs, uh, you really want to have the expertise and the folks, you know, side by side with the procurement specialists and the teams that are, you know, uh, actually managing the procurements themselves. And so uh, by having that talent all sitting in the same place, you know, pulling in the same direction, it just eliminates some of the uh, you know, expertise issues that come with having to explain to a separate procurement shop. You know, how to get the job done. One finds all kinds of interesting information when one digs into the budget request documents every year. SIS is asking for $6.2 million for 50 jobs, 25 of them FTEs. That's a pretty decent amount of procurement power, it strikes me. Yeah, that would be a pretty robust shop when they get to full uh, capacity on this. Uh, and I think it, it's reflective of the kind of investments that uh, this administration and quite honestly, the last one have made in CISA, uh, where the budget has expanded you know, significantly. Uh, and also they're coming up on, uh, you know, what is the future of enterprise-wide cyber look like uh, for the federal civilian space? And so they're going to have new procurements coming out on uh, Domino, which is a, a set of tools that, that's been out there that agencies can use, as well as CDM next iteration for those you know four or five groups uh, that they're out there that have already been awarded, and also with Einstein, you know what comes after the current you know the Nest and you know the capability to screen emails and and DOS and things of that nature, they've really got to think about what's the next generation of this look like, which will mean large procurements. When you explain it to me in that context, it becomes much more clear, Chris, about why this is really important for CISA, because the things that the federal government overall is expecting from CISA and the thing, especially if it becomes kind of the shared services provider, it's really going to need this capacity and and it's, it's, it's going to have to live there where the people who are responsible for providing that those services can have some authority and some autonomy over it, I guess. No, you make a really good point because, you know, as the, uh, the designee from OMB as the quality uh, service you know, provider uh, for enterprise cyber, uh, that really, really puts on top of that an additional layer of importance for them because now they're not only doing it for you know, the CISA and the, those uh, procurements themselves, but they're going to be fielding a lot of these shared services across the federal government. So it really puts a, a finer point on it. What, what do you think the next steps in the evolution of CISA should be to, to reach this kind of maturation that I think a lot of people now are anticipating? Well, I think you're going to see kind of a, a maturation of the different lines of business. You've got, you know, the CFO function, obviously, the CPO, which they've just picked up, uh, the chief security function, uh, human capital. As you move through all those, uh, there become integration issues. And we found that when I was in the undersecretary role, uh, GAO and the Hill are very uh, focused on this notion of integrated management capability. 
I mean, we've been on the high list, high risk list for that for you know many years as a department. So I think you know integrating those business functions is really going to be the next echelon for them as they move forward. What did you find helped to make that prog- that process better, Chris? Well, I think that the biggest thing was to recognize that uh, it's a team of functions as opposed to just like six one-offs or silos. It's really got to function as a unit. And I think that's what CISA will find is that, you know, each of those lines of business chiefs is going to have to come together and recognize the dependencies uh, and the interfaces that are necessary to be successful as a group. Uh, And when they recognize that and mature it, I think it'll just be that much better for the entire organization. How much does how much difference does the mission of the organization make in formulating that that kind of collaboration that you're describing, that integration that you're describing and how much of it? Um, would be peculiar to an organization like CISA that's focused on cybersecurity? Yeah, generally, I would say it's endemic to most organizations in the federal government where you've got those kinds of uh, dependencies. Uh, But I think those will just be much more amplified in CISA because they've got that uh, responsibility across the federal civilian. It's not just, you know, their own responsibility. They're going to have a lot of interdependencies. They already have a lot of MOUs with the other departments and agencies around these different shared services. So that's going to really put them at the epicenter of much of this debate and really demand a higher level of care for them. How do you determine at some future point that you've achieved what you wanted to achieve, that the each of those special areas of specialization that you just detailed are operating well and that they're all operating well as an integrated group? Yeah, it's, it's sometimes that's hard to see when you're on the inside of it. And so I think, you know, certainly GAO and the DHS IG are going to weigh in uh, you know, pretty significantly. And they, as they did with DHS management, you know, they're going to look at these um, uh, coming together of the different functions and say, is the integration there? So I think you're going to have a lot of external uh, oversight, in addition to what I think will be the DHS USM function, the Undersecretary for Management and the Chief Acquisition Officer role. Uh, through the acquisition review board process, you know, those uh, systems will have a lot of oversight within the department itself. So I think that that there'll be a triple threat uh, that CISA will have to deal with, which will help keep them within a parameter of hopefully success. And uh, in this particular area uh, regarding this integration of management functions, this development and integration of them, at least, um, is there any impact on that by the fact that CISA is just one organization that's kind of part of a mosaic of cybersecurity organizations across the federal government, Chris? Yeah, that's really a good point as well, because you know, they don't operate on their own in terms of the, the, the cyber mission set. And so the you know justice through the FBI, NSA and defense, the White House constellation of offices that are all setting policy like OMB or the National Security Council, uh, now the new cyber coordinator's office uh, are all going to want to have something to say about what these standards look like and how these acquisitions unfold. So you're going to have a lot of parties involved in the mix of this that you typically wouldn't see necessarily at a CBP or a TSA, where it's more of a, you know, the mission set is more contained within the agency itself. So you've got a lot of folks involved. The Hill obviously has a lot to say about what's going on. So uh, I think it'll be a little more complex as those business functions come together. Uh, but uh, all the more important that they get it right. Chris Kemiski, thanks very much as always. Great to have you on the program. Thanks, Fred. You can read more about building out CISA in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like the Daily Scoop Podcast, 
leave us a five-star rating and a review. It'll help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help me put the show together every day, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast is back on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Francis Rose.